1: This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. I have not heard that promo in a long, long time. It is never going to get old. Welcome to the best show on your radio. It is Freddie and Harry. Thank you very much. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman, presented by Progressive Insurance on the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80. And always, always, always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. About 10 minutes from now, two of our producers, who Charmaine Nameless, Shannon Penn and Devin Kane, are about to get a nice little. Wonderful treat involving one of their teams.
2: <laughs> you held back right there. I dead. really, really you did. You wanted to say something I smart to them. I certainly did.
1: You know, the devil on my shoulder said, don't go ahead and do it. But the angel <laughs> on my left shoulder said, don't do it. Don't do that to them. But they're going to get They're get a nice, wonderful treat that I'm sure they'll make. They'll be on it in about 10 minutes here on Freddie and Harry. But the Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers, they're going to be all about it on Sunday. And the conversation came up early today when Harry Douglas was on Get Up with Mike Greenberg as well as Tim Hasselbeck and Damian Woody about the credit gene, the credit area involving Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and how much credit should Andy Reid receive for how Patrick Mahomes has been this successful so far so early in the National Football League. Check out what Travis Kelsey, Chiefs Titan, had to say about the greatness of his head coach. I
2: mean, I've been here 13 years with him and he's never... Got off track. This has been a constant incline of uh, of greatness, and I've been very fortunate to be under his kind of uh,
1: him overlooking my career, uh, and helping me out both on and off the field as a professional, as a human being. And um, it's just been uh, I owe so much to to him and his success, and or and our success, and. Um, just extremely, extremely fortunate that I Atlanta here in Kansas City 13 years ago to be able to build this thing with him like this. I'm not a big believer in separating people who work extremely well together. It shouldn't have to be a pecking order with me. It shouldn't be that, well, they're successful because of him or they're more successful because of that person. I don't believe in that. But I look at Andy Reid, and I think one of the best things about what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do, winning championships together, is that people realize Andy Reid was a really good coach in Philadelphia. And he's a really, really good coach with the Kansas City Chiefs.
2: I'm I was so excited for Andy Reid when he was able to get his first Super Bowl because I knew he was a doggone good coach. Uh, one of his assistant coaches, David Cully, that mm-hmm. used to coach with him and was down in Houston as well. So Coach Cully gave me my first workout for the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: Okay.
2: And man, I could I can remember being in that workout and just, you know, Coach Cully being an an extension of Andy Reid. And how detail-oriented he was, but also fun. I remember I had dropped one football, right? And then the next one, I caught with my body. Right. And Coach Cully called me over. And I know Andy Reid is just like that because i seen him do it during football games, right? Right. He called me over. He said, come here, Harry. He was like, don't be catching that ball with your body. I watched all your film. You a hands catcher. Go ahead and catch that thing with your hands. Don't let one, really, you know, displace you from the rest of them. Uh-huh. And I just thought it was a cool moment at that time when I'm doing a private workout for the Philadelphia Eagles and the coach, you know, felt like he needed to embrace me in that manner. But mm-hmm. it was also an extension of Andy Reid and how he allowed his coaches to coach. Right. So what leads me to the next thing, though, Freddie, environment. So we talk about a lot of these young quarterbacks coming into the National Football League. And if they're able to have success or not. Well, I think environment matters. Absolutely. Culture matters. That's a good point. The assistant coaches that you have around these young players, that matters, right? And are you able to develop? Patrick Mahomes is a phenomenal talent. And he helped Andy Reid get that monkey off his back. But Andy Reid helped him too now. Because he wasn't the most polished guy when he came in, even though he threw for five thousand yards and fifty touchdowns, right? There were still things that he needed to work on in his game. And I love what Andy was able to say recently about, you know, Patrick Mahomes is that, you know, he had to learn in a different capacity
0: mm-hmm. how
2: to become a, a more di- even more dynamic quarterback. Right. When you don't have a, a Tyreek Hill and your offense changes, and then you're sputtering from the offensive side of the ball, so you figure out okay. I need to be this way and Mm -hmm. not maybe so reckless like I used to be in the past because it can hurt our football team more in 2023, more so than it did in 2020 or 2019.
1: Think of the guys that got better as quarterbacks under Andy Reid as a head coach. Donovan McNabb in Philadelphia became an MVP. He got to a playoff game with Jeff Garcia. And Jeff was at the end of his NFL career, even though he started that late. Michael Vick, that reclamation project. Michael Vick looked like an entirely different quarterback with those dynamic skills after he got out of jail and Philadelphia was the only team that wanted to take a chance on him, and he got on Andy Reid, and he hadn't looked that positive as a quarterback when he played with the Atlanta Falcons when he was doing his thing as Michael Vick. Then he gets to Kansas City. Alex Smith, what did he look like after Andy Reid got a hold of him? It took a Patrick Mahomes to displace Alex Smith out of that lineup. Andy Reid even was able to help win a playoff game with the backup quarterback when Patrick Mahomes got hurt versus the Cleveland Browns. Chad Henney. Chad Henney, a guy who was at the end of his NFL rope. Andy Reid has shown the ability with his coaching staff that when he gets those healing hands of Reid on you, offensively or finding coaches that can do that on the defensive side of the football, exponentially, guys get better. Not just Patrick Mahomes, not just Travis Kelsey. Isaiah Pacheco, prime example. Seventh-round pick out of Rutgers. People said, well, okay, you just drafted that guy. Look where he is now, how he has kept getting better and better and better, where he is a focal point of that offense now. That if you don't stop him, he makes Patrick Mahomes look better. He and his coaches under Andy Reid have lost him a great ability, that they know how to coach players but allow them to be themselves but get better as players to put that product on the football field.
2: Well, we, we look at Tyreek Hill, right? Tyreek Hill started off playing on special teams. That's and a great example. Yeah. for a coach, it's your job to also notice things in players when they make plays on special teams. Mm-hmm. You know what? We got to get this guy to ball on offense more. And now look at Tyreek Hill, right? Making hella money, being mm-hmm. a wide, one of the top wide receivers in the National Football League, was able to win um, a, a Super Bowl mm-hmm. with the Kansas City Chiefs as well. But also when you look at Andy Reid and the culture that he built before Patrick Mahomes got there, in 2015, Freddie, the Chiefs were 11-5. and 5. In 2016, they were twelve and four. In two thousand and seventeen, they were ten and six, right? So they were able to have success. They may have just needed an Andy Reid, may have just needed that one, mm-hmm. you know, exceptional talent right. to really take things to another level. Mm-hmm. And he was able to do that. But also, you talk about being innovative, right? Not just Absolutely. staying stagnant with your offense that you may have had with Alex Smith or when you was in Philadelphia with Michael Vick or Donovan McNabb. You was able to also learn from your past mistakes as we, if that same subject comes up again, right? Mm-hmm. You were able to learn from things in your past that, that may not have went right. Right. But here's the the, the the biggest thing, in my opinion, fun. When you have guys doing merry-go-round in a huddle.
1: That was pretty cool when they did that versus Raiders last year. Having
2: fun and understanding that this generation likes to have fun. You can have fun, you can win, you can have light days, and Andy Reed understands it all, even though he's one of the oldest coaches in the game right now.
1: Yeah, at sixty five years of age. Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together, and Freddie and Harry and ESPN radio. Something you just said really kind of sparked in my mind when it comes to Andy Reed. He was the Kyle Shanahan before the Kyle Shanahan. Think of what he No had, lies detected. Right. Think of what he went through. He was the best coach that had never won a Super Bowl. Or they said Andy Reid in Philadelphia couldn't win the big one couldn't beat Tampa Bay at home, couldn't win a Super Bowl when he had Terrell Owens and Donna McNabb. All those things were part of the mixture and the narrative and the resume when it came to Andy Reid. And when Kansas City hired him, people said, he couldn't win one in Philadelphia, he's not going to be able to win one there. Then a Patrick Mahomes guy comes along and give Brent Veach and that organization a lot of credit. They trade up to get that guy saying, if that guy gets with Andy Reid, watch that magic. Nobody anticipated this. Nobody could have foreseen that six straight years that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Chiefs would be playing in the AFC Championship game or that Patrick Mahomes, the first season as a starting quarterback, would throw for over 5,000 yards and have over 50 touchdown passes in his first complete years of starting quarterback. The fact that Andy Reid was able to jump that up and make this a championship organization and people look at it now and say, man, that guy might get four or five before he is going off into the sunset. Kyle Shanahan knows what that's like because Andy Reid was Kyle Shanahan before Kyle Shanahan is trying to do the same thing, get over that hump, win that big game, when people look at him and say, you may be the best coach that has not won a championship.
2: I'll take it to another level really quick, Freddie. Mm Mm-hmm. You look at last year, the young defensive players, and how they were able to get those meaningful reps. Absolutely. A lot of coaches wouldn't have played those young players last year.
1: Yeah, but he had enough faith and confidence.
2: And now look at them defensively this year. Now, this year, you had some, you know, deficiencies within your offense. Right. But Mm -hmm. watch next year, those guys.
1: Well, I, I bet you they had better years. Well, a lot of people looked at Kayvon Thibodeau and said, hey, watch him in 2023. And he went out and delivered as a Giants linebacker. Can't wait to talk about the Giants in their future and playing against San Francisco 49ers. Kayvon Thibodeau is about to make our two producers, Devin Kane and Shannon Penn, extremely happy by joining us here on Freddie and Harry and ESPN Radio. He's Harry Douglas I'm Freddie Coleman because both of those guys are Giants fans. <laughs>
0: He's
1: here on behalf of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Kayvon, thanks for joining us, number one. And number two, like I mentioned, our two producers, major, major Giants fans, they were thrilled to see you play that way this year in year two. What was the light switch moment for you that allowed you to look up and say to yourself, yep, I knew I could play at that level. I'm doing it in year two of my career.
3: Honestly, I was just able to finish, man. I've always felt that I could play at this level. I've always felt that I could be a dominant and, you know, a long-term player in the NFL. And this year, you know, just learning and being able to pass rush and do things with my teammates, it made it all the difference.
2: Kayvon, I gotta ask you about you know week one of this season. You guys played the Dallas Cowboys, and you were uh, you actually lost that game forty to zero. How much did that loss against a divisional opponent impact a lot of things that you guys wanted to do the rest of the season?
3: Uh, definitely, you know, you know, our um, starting offensive tackle got hurt. Um, shortly after that, our quarterback got hurt. So you talk about you know uh, the eye opening reality of you know having to do the next man up and mean, you know make the best out of it, but. We went through some tough times, but we kind of kept our composure and we tried to keep fighting as a team. And, uh, you know, I was able to have a little bit of individual success, but what's that matter if we're not winning? So uh, this year, it's time to bounce back and try to get some Ws.
1: The one thing I noticed about that whole thing, how much more of a leader, Kayvon, you became. Even your coaches talked about that you are able to step up in that department. How much do you feel that it was necessary for you to do that, even though you're only your second year in the National
3: Football League? I mean, it was. We had had some leaders leaving. Leonard Williams, you know, he was a a big uh, uh, leader for us. And once he was gone, you know, it was time for somebody to step up. And I was that next guy who was playing the most. And, you know, that guys were kind of looking to. So I just took it upon myself to to, to be that pillar and be that resource for my teammates.
2: Speaking of your teammates, when you look at a guy, Saquon Barkley, who means so much to your football team, what does a guy like him mean to you specifically?
3: Uh, Me specifically, man, he's one of the – Greatest people I've been around. Uh, he's obviously a great running back. Um, I, I would love to keep, keep our careers uh, aligned and be on the same team. I would hate to have to go against them. So, yeah, I would definitely, you know, wish that, that he continues to uh, be a giant.
1: Kayvon Thibodeau, the current New York Giants outside linebacker, does a great job rushing the pass and playing against the run as well. Had a terrific second season. Joining us here on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio on behalf of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Hit him on Twitter, Kayvon T. You mentioned Saquon Barkley. So many different guys had to step up. He did that as usual. Also, Tommy DeVito, at quarterback, and being a part of that whole mania situation. What was that like, Kayvon? Because he was tearing New York apart and able to win some games for your football team in the middle of a tough season.
3: Man, you know, it's always amazing when you see a young guy step up and when you see, you know, your team rally around somebody. So I was happy for him. I'm definitely happy for his success. And uh, hopefully he continues to uh, grow and uh, become, you know, a a substantial quarterback in the NFL.
2: Kayvon, I would be wrong if I didn't do this, but, you know, both of our producers are huge Giants fans. In particular, listen, Devin Kane has your jersey. And he was supposed to bring your jersey in today, but I just wanted to see if you can show Devin Kane a little love, man, for going out there and purchasing your jersey and repping you no matter what the situation is. Devin,
3: that's how you do it, man. I appreciate you. Keep supporting. Keep supporting Big Blue. Keep supporting me, man. That's how my legacy is going to live on. I thank you. And for the rest of the guys who aren't Giants fans, listen, football is like religion. It's never too late to convert. <laughs> <laughs> well, put it this way. You don't have to worry
1: about Shannon Penn and other producers and Devin Kane being converts. It'll be a little tougher for me, Kayvon, because I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I hope you don't hold that against mm.
3: me. Hey, somebody, somebody, somebody hit the sound,
2: sound
3: button. <laughs> here. Nah. There we Well done, Now, I do
2: have to ask you about Brock Purdy because he's playing in the, in the Super Bowl on Sunday. What was the plan against Brock Purdy when you guys were playing against him?
3: Man, we had to throw some different stuff at him. We obviously knew that we had to stop the run first, you know, with Christian McCaffrey, but then we knew that Brock Purdy was a guy who understands that he has playmakers. I think there's a big misconception when you talk about a game manager and a a game um, changer, right? It's like a Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson was a game changer. Why? Because he dished the ball and they scored points. So how can you not say the same for a quarterback? You know, So he's been able to get the ball to his playmakers and those guys have been taking up to the house. They've been winning. Um, I, I'm going for the 49ers because we got the Oregon Ducks on that team, and I want to see them win.
1: Great stuff by Kayvon Thibodeau, who is going to boo Freddie coming for the rest of his life when he found he's a New York, not a New York Giants fan, but a Cowboys fan of Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Staying with that because Cam Newton, who played in the NFL, he said there are different levels of being a game manager. For example, Tom Brady being a game manager, of course, that or Brock Purdy is not on the same level when it comes to that. When you hear game manager as a defensive player, how much of that applies to you, Kayvon, that there are different levels of the quote-unquote game manager in the National Football League? Well,
3: well I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. When I look at a game manager versus a game changer, it's like it's the tale of Josh Allen or Brock Purdy, right? You have a guy who's a great has great, you know, ability in Josh Allen, but he he wants to be a hero, you know, so he takes more risks, he does more things. and it's not just him. There are a lot of quarterbacks who, te- personally, as a defender, I love a quarterback who thinks they're the greatest player ever because they're going to hold the ball longer and they want to make plays, and that's how they give away games. And when you talk about a guy who understands his role in offense, it's like it's not about being a uh, 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 we're all world player. It's mm-hmm. about working the system to the best of your ability. So even me, I was the guy that like, oh, you don't have sacks. Then I get sacked. They're like, oh, your pass rush, win rate percentage is low. We blitz all the time, right? Wow. So it's about being the best I can in my system. So um, Brock Purdy's system allows him to do what he does, and he does it at the highest level.
1: Wow, that's great, great stuff. By the way, we like we mentioned, Kayvon Thibodeau here on behalf of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Full disclosure, I had been on a liquid diet for the past couple of weeks because I had dental surgery. So – my favorite Campbell's Chunky Soup became the creamy chicken noodle. What's your favorite, my friend?
3: Mm-hmm. Me, I'm a spicy chicken noodle soup type of guy. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I always like a little spice to mine.
1: There's nothing wrong with a little spice in someone's life, especially living in New York.
3: <laughs> exactly. Campbell's sacked hunger, man. We've been we've been rocking together for a long time, and now that I, I was able to get 11 uh, eleven and a half sacks, we are donating – meals uh, to food insecurity and it's
2: been amazing. Oh, that's
1: dope. That's fantastic. He's probably
2: too young to remember this Campbell's commercial. Did you eat your chunky soup? (laughs) You little too young for that (laughs) one. You know
3: what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm I was Back I was Back in, I was back in black and white. Back with the Cowboys. i was back when the Cowboys are wow. good. Wow. No, I'm just joking. See, k Von. See,
1: we used to be boys, now we yeah. can't be boys anymore. I, 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 I'm just giving you guys a hard time,
3: man. Look, look, after all these interviews, after all these interviews, I'm going to have a Cowboys fans coming for me.
1: No, I don't think you have to worry about that. The way my team plays in the postseason, you ain't got nothing to worry about as far as that goes, my friend. I can promise you that. (laughs) Kavon, great stuff, my man. Continued success. Thanks for joining us. Take care and be well, my man. Thank you. You
3: guys have a good
1: one. Graced up by Kavon Thibodeau, the New York Giants linebacker. Hit him on Twitter, Kavon TC. Now you know how I feel when someone said back in black and white saying they're too young. (laughs) Now you know how I feel. You, Devin Kane, Shannon Penn, (laughs) Nick Cardi, all you guys now know how I feel compared to what Harry Douglas just went through with Kayvon Thibodeau, the New York Giants. I will
2: say this, though. He has a dope personality.
1: Fantastic. Perfect personality for New York. Yep. A guy that's not afraid to speak his mind. Mm-mm. Like you mentioned, the personality behind it and the intellect, where I love his explanation of, I want a quarterback that thinks he's the greatest of all time, that he thinks he's greatest, and then we get him. I love this explanation in terms of game manager, game changer, and invoking Josh Allen the Buffalo Bills and Brock Prady's saying he does a different way of changing the game as a game manager, that doesn't mean that people should be sliding him what Brock purdy has been able to do so far in the first two years in the NFL.
2: Speaking of quarterbacks, the Giants may get their guy in this uh, upcoming 2024 draft. Okay. Would you like that, Brother Dev?
1: No? I mean, it all depends, right? Mm-hmm. On what, oh, so so you're, on you're
2: satisfied with Daniel Jones? I the, think we, we got to see more from him. There <laughs> you we see, go.
1: See there more from him. We go. Can't
2: to yell. Do, are you good with Daniel Jones? <laughs> Chris Candy. Chris Candy from Unsports <laughs> from Like is
1: hanging out with the guys in the studio. You catch him each and every morning, 6, 8 to 10 AM Eastern time Evan Cohen and Michelle Smallman. He was like, no. no, no <laughs> somebody
2: want the big apple turnover. we didn't seen it too many times.
1: <laughs> we don't get a we don't get a chance to see Chris Candy all the time because when I'm up here in Bristol, Connecticut, you're down in Atlanta, Georgia, and he's down in New York with the crew. But the look on his face, he was like, Man, I thought he was gonna give us a whip no, I know when it comes to something like that. Like we mentioned, check them out each and every morning. Great morning show on Sportsman, like Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, Michelle Smallman, 6, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and also ESPNU and ESPN2. Who are these five that we need to name in terms of the Pro Football Hall of Fame and that would get our vote before tonight we find out who's going to get in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? That's next on Freddie and Harry, and this is ESPN Radio.
2: The Freddie and Harry Podcast.
1: Who's gonna give that something tonight and be a pro football hall of famer? He is Harry Douglas and Freddie Coleman together on Freddie and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance on the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. And I'll just tell you that smart speaker to play ESPN radio. Before we get to that, Timothy Goldman hit us on Twitter, Coleman ESPN and at H Doug's 83. Absolutely love the interview that we had with Kayvon Thibodeau. He said, this is why I love your show. That interview with him was fire. This kid bring up that analogy. Magic Johnson was great, even though he was born 12 years after the Magic's last Lakers title in the black and white TV era. I mean, 1988. Well done by <laughs> Timothy Golden hanging out with us. He's right about that. Yeah. When you have that new school, but you don't forget about the old school, You can go a long way in a city like New York.
2: Well, it it also means he appreciates history and he understands the game of basketball before he was really able to understand the game of basketball, right? So it's, it's called not being blind to the fact that, you know, you have Magic Johnson, one of the greatest players all time in the NBA. So mm-hmm. just giving that knowledge and, and, and showing his respect where respect is due.
1: Yeah, keep weighing in on Twitter, Coleman ESPN and H Dogs eighty three. Don't forget about us on the Freddie Harry in line at Triple Eight Say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. I
2: also would like to say this. Okay. You have a guy in Lawrence Taylor who we all view as the best defensive player to always play the, to ever play the game, right? hmm I would never understand why these players in today's game don't reach out to him for tips and pointers. He's available. I, I would never understand that.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned, mentioned Lawrence Taylor. For my money, with my own two eyes—two eyes, excuse me—he's the greatest football player I've ever seen. And I know people say, well, "What about Jim Brown?" I wasn't alive when Jim Brown was doing his thing. Yeah. Johnny Unitas, at the end of his career, I saw him. But the first time I saw him, I said, "Oh my God, this guy's going to torture my Cowboys for the next however long." I knew that as a 15 year old. The first time I saw him in the Giants uniform, to this day. We don't look for the next Jerry Rice. We don't look for the next Dan Marino. People are still looking for the next, next Lawrence Taylor. I'm like, stop looking. That person doesn't exist. Guys are comparable. The late, great Derek Thomas guys like that. No question. But the minute that he looked like that in that city with that organization, the giants, and he was sustained excellence for 12 years before everything else got the best. And he had to get out of the league From my own eyes. That is still the greatest football player I've ever seen in my own eyes.
2: We had this joke. Our our head trainer that we used to have for the Atlanta Falcons, Brian Boigner. Mm-hmm. He used to be the trainer up in uh, New York when right. when LT was there, and wh- whenever he would give us a hard time time about stuff, we would always say to him, "You wouldn't you wouldn't say that to treat LT that way." And mm-hmm. he would look at us. You're right. I wouldn't. <laughs> but I think it was also coming for for Bill Belichick. Uh Telling the story about how LT was late for a meeting, right? Right. Uh, And he had started the meeting. He went and told Bill Parcells. And Bill Parcells told him, that why did you start the meeting before he got there? If it's one person you wait on, you wait on him. (laughs) So even though Bill Parcells is a hard-nosed coach, he understands players like Lawrence Taylor. Yep. Gives you the name Bill Parcells to put up on a mantle for Uh, everyone to put up on a mantle.
1: Yeah, real quick before we move on, I got this is for Shannon Penn and Kent, our two Giants guys, our two producers. I remember interning the New York Giants cap. I was essentially Bill Parcells' gopher back in 1985. And you know, when you're young, you think you can do anything, there's nothing going to be beyond your realm, anything like that. So Here I'm this little guy from Mansfield University in Pennsylvania playing wide receiver thing. I don't care. No one has to worry about drafting me. I'm going to show those NFL guys what that's all about. And I can't (laughs) wait to intern the Giants camp to see what they're going to be made of and all this other stuff. Practice the second day, right? Second day of full equipment. I'm standing next to Bill Parcells. And they do like their one-on-one drills. So I'm right behind the quarterback, Phil Sims. And Lawrence Taylor comes off that corner Part of my life, this SOB came out that corner at 150 (laughs) miles an hour, got low and bent, and tapped Phil Simms inside the head because you couldn't hit the quarterback. It was just a drill, like who can beat who, right? I go back home. My dad goes, hey, son, how was Kevin? I said, dad, ain't got no damn business being out there. (laughs) Mm -mm. You know, man. I said, Lawrence Taylor, 250 pounds, came out that corner like a bullet. I'm going to go back to school. I'm gonna get my degree. I'm gonna to go to the school radio station because that is not for me. I said I couldn't believe how fast he was, and that was in practice, going full speed, full tilt boogie.
2: He came up that corner. Harris said, "Man,
1: whew, mm-mm. you are not killing Maddie Coleman's boy out here. You are not doing." It. I couldn't believe but that's how fast you can that was.
2: Also, Freddie play with violence, right? Think of, Harry, think about how many yeah. careers he halted. Because he tackled or hit someone a certain way.
1: Well, he halted one. He didn't hit me, and I didn't want any part of that. (laughs) (laughs) I said, "Mm mm-mm. That's the NFL? I'll go my butt back to the PSAC and play against Division (laughs) II guys. Mm Mm-mm. He's Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together on Freddie and Harry and ESPN Radio. Speaking of Hall of Fame, which is where the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, we know Lawrence Taylor, first ballot Hall of Famer. 15 finalists get a chance to join those halls of immortality. Five modern-era finalists are from this 15. Eric Allen, a cornerback. Jad Allen, defensive end. Willie Anderson, offensive tackle. Jari Evans, offensive guard. Dwight Freeney, defensive end. Antonio Gates, tight end. Rodney Harrison, safety. Devin Hester, Swiss Army knife. Wide receiver, kick returner, upon returner. Torrey Holt, wide receiver. Andre Johnson, wide receiver. Julius Peppers, defensive end. Fred Taylor, running back. Reggie Wayne, wide receiver. Patrick Willis, linebacker. Dan Woodson, safety. You can only pick five. Out of that 15, good luck number one, good luck number two. But if we had a vote, you want me to go first? You want to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Give me five out of that 15. Out of those dudes, you only get one vote times five. Who are the five you're picking out of those 15?
2: I'm gonna go Julius Peppers. Right. I played against him, and I and I definitely understood what it was to try to game playing against him okay. and not let him wreck your game. But he right. still at times really did wreck your game. But 159 and a half sacks, uh, six uh, All Pro teams, defensive rookie of the year, a phenomenal player, really a physically imposing. Mm-hmm. Uh, his will on whatever what, what was in front of him. Right, uh, and I thought he did it at a high level at all times. And then also Devin Hester. Okay. I had the opportunity and the luxury of playing with D. Hess and what he meant to the game to be an all-around player. Corner, wide receiver, return specialist. Uh, there was no one better in, in the National Football League that did it better than Devin Hester. You talk about game speed and cutting full speed and not changing mm-hmm. your speed to do so. He, he is the best to ever do it okay. at that level. Uh, second, I will go with Tyree Hill in those regards. When it comes to you know cutting on a dime at the same speed that you're moving straight ahead. Right. Thirdly, I will go Antonio Gates. Uh, even though Antonio Gates doesn't have a Super Bowl, you talk about productivity and being able to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Nine hundred fifty-five career receptions over eleven thousand yards receiving, one hundred sixteen touchdowns. Right. I, I hate that the San Diego Chargers at the time weren't able to get a Super Bowl win because he was so phenomenal. We're talking about a basketball player that ended up playing the game of football and boy, did he do it at a high level. I say next at number four, this Mm -hmm. is where it gets a little tricky. Mm -hmm. And I, and I might be biased. I'm gonna go Andre Johnson. Okay. Because I played with Dre. All right. Uh, But I also played against Dre. Okay. And I knew how hard it was to stop him. And he didn't have the best of quarterbacks in doing so either. That's fair. So I'm gonna go Andre fair. Johnson number four. All right. Number five, I will go with.
1: Mhm. Mhm. Man. Mhm. See.
2: <laughs> See. Dang, I put it's... Reggie Wayne ahead of Dre, didn't I? Man.
1: Did you? You uh, you yeah. said you, so? You said Andre Johnson.
2: Andre Johnson, Devin, Devin Hester. Devin Hester. Julius Peppers. Julius Peppers.
1: Who else? Did
2: what you say I'm Reggie? Saying? I don't think you said Reggie
1: Wayne yet. As a matter of fact. Antonio Gates.
2: Antonio Gates. You didn't pick. You didn't have Reggie Wayne
1: yet. Mm. Mm. The
2: the Reg, the Reggie Wayne part is tricky because when mm-hmm. you look at Marvin Harrison, right, Peyton Manning,
1: uh huh, James, James. Mm-hmm.
2: How can you have all those guys there mm-hmm. and not have him? So I'm gonna go yeah. with Reggie Wayne. Okay,
1: I love that five. My five. I'm with you in terms of Julius Peppers, dominant defensive end, a guy who played basketball in North Carolina and transitioned to National football league. He was he was a six six small forward and then he put his arms up. He's like seven foot five. It's kind of hard to throw the ball over a guy like that. I'm with you on peppers. I'm with you on Devin Hester. No doubt about that. He's going to be the first total kick returner that's going to be enshrined in and Ken, and it's well well deserved. We talk about guys who are great players at their position, game changers. Don't get in whole way. Well, he's just a kick returner. Well, you could say somebody's just a defensive tackle. If you're great at that specialty and to that kind of level, people are comparing you to so many different people. You're a fault. And in words of Denzel Washington, from remember the Titans? You're a Hall of fame in my book. So he's a Hall of fame in my book. Antonio Gates, I'm with you, a tight end. And you're right. Those Chargers teams, just bad luck at yep. times or not being on good teams or good, but not great enough to win games in the playoffs, or have a deep playoff run. I'm with you at those three. Eric Allen deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He should have been in the Hall of Fame long before becoming one of the 15 finalists. 54 career interceptions, six of those returned for touchdowns. He was a shutdown corner, and he was not built like a shutdown corner. When I talk about a guy that was like Mike Haynes or or, or Lester Hayes, those guys are 6'1, 6'2. He was 5'8, still is 5'8, 180 pounds, but he was wiry strong, could cover big guys, could cover slot guys, could cover fast wide receivers, and 54 interceptions and six return for touchdowns. That guy had a Hall of Fame career no matter where he played with the Raiders, with the Eagles, and with the Saints.
2: Is, is this his last opportunity to get in I,
1: I know it's the second time he's been a finalist I don't know if it's his last okay. opportunity to get in so I, I can't speak on that and this is a sentimental pick and I'm my heart's in this one Darren Woodson safety to the Cowboys he was that first big kind of strong safety that you could say okay we don't have to take him off the field put, place in the back of the defense he can cover wide receivers he can cover tight ends and he played on punt and kickoff coverage Jimmy Johnson tried to have him stop doing that he goes why it's football He was at times the gunner on on coverage and then would go out there and play safety. And also, by the way, three-time first-team All-Pro, made the Pro Bowl five times, 23 interceptions, 12 forced fumbles, 11 sacks. To me, his contemporary is Rondé Barber. And Rondé was really, really good and terrific. But to me, if you can make a case for him, then you can certainly make a case for a guy like Darren Woodson and Eric Allen from the secondary as far as I'm concerned.
2: Still a solid list, though. That's that's the worst part about us doing this mm-hmm. or yeah. the decisions that have to be made. There's so many guys that's deserving of getting into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, and majority of them will. Right. Right. But mm-hmm. at the same time, we're talking about this year, 2024, uh, phenomenal candidates. Even a guy like Dwight Freeney. You can't talk about the Colts team without talking about Dwight Freeney as well.
1: Right, because I could see two Colts getting in tonight. Dwight Freeney. And also, Reggie Wayne, no doubt about it. But I don't think a guy like Jairie Evans should be punished. He allowed the Saints to become the Saints along with Drew Brees. Yep. And that was a guy that if you had to go against him, that was 60 minutes of hell playing against Jairie Evans on the inside and offensive line. Because he's a first-team All-Pro four different times, and he made the final Hall of Fame ballot during the second year of eligibility. So you're right. He's going to get in. But I can't tell you how many times I look at him and say, man, I would not want to be sixty eight or forty nine or whatever because <laughs> he is kicking it behind and taking hey, my, names. My list
2: is a little biased too. That's okay. We got some wide receivers on there, baby. I gotta show wideouts love.
1: Well, that's going a capital to, L. Yeah, that's going to continue because for the longest time, wide receivers seem to be pushed to the back beyond other players. That's starting to flip a little bit because you can't have a golden age of quarterbacks and disrespect wide receivers or disrespect tight ends. I think we're starting to see those guys and their numbers. Like Torrey Holt, so, for example. I was example. Just
2: about to say Torrey Holt. Holt
1: from the greatest show on turf. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. The five Hall of Fame finalists from the modern era. Who's going to get in tonight out of the 15? That is Eric Allen, Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Jairie Evans, Dwight Freeney, Antonio Gates, Rodney Harrison, Devin Hester, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Julius Peppers, Fred Taylor, Reggie Wayne. Patrick Willis, and Darren Woodson. He is Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Cole. By the way, congrats Harry Douglas. Getting inducted to the Kentucky Football Sports Hall of Fame. So, good on him. We got a Hall of Famer in our midst here on Freddie <laughs> That's right. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Always hit us up on Twitter anytime you want. A Coleman ESPN and a H. Douglas Hall of Fame 83. And also at 888 say espn 888 3776 Who has the most pressure on them heading into the Super Bowl? 888-729-3776. We continue to take your calls. But in the NBA, the trading deadline has been over for about an hour and 40 minutes. Did the New York Knicks take one or two important steps to finally end the championship drought? This is Freddie and Harry, and this is ESPN Radio. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. He's Harry Douglas, I'm Freddie Coleman, together on Freddie and Harry on the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80 and always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN radio. 20 minutes away from when it comes to Andy Reid, the coach of Kansas City. Jeeves, can we say that they win a Super Bowl? He's the best thing going in sports right now. We'll get to that in about 20 minutes. And I want the New York Knicks at a certain point in my lifetime, before I get even older and grayer, to be the best thing in NBA sports right now. They have not won an NBA championship in 51 years. The last time they won an NBA championship, milk was being delivered in bottles to doorsteps, and gas was free in this country. That's how long it's been for the New York Knicks to win an NBA championship. But maybe just maybe, Harry Douglas, maybe getting a little bit closer. They acquired Bojan Bogdanovic and Alec Burks from the Detroit Pistons, part of a seven-player, two-draft pick trade in which they get those two guys and they get a shooter, they get a defender, they get help for Jalen Brunson, and also in Julius' round, OG Ananobi comes back. I want to be a believer. I'm at the point where I'll believe it, but I can actually, actually think it and want to believe it when it comes to the Knicks ending that championship drop based on this trade.
2: Well, you know, Mrs. Douglas, my mother that is, she mm. always taught me you you have to have a vision. Okay. No, the Bible said, well, there's no vision the people will pairs, Freddie.
1: Okay.
2: You got to visualize that thing. You got to right. speak it into existence. Okay. And for, for the Knicks, right, I'm uh, looking at their next 10 games because they're at the four seed right now. Mm-hmm. Same record as the Bucks, who are the three seed, and one game behind the Cavs, who are the two seed. Right. I, I think this 10-game stretch is a, a very pivotal one for them to be able to move closer to where they want to be. Absolutely. When it comes uh, playoff time, right? No so doubt. you have a game, the next two against the Dallas Mavericks, Mm -hmm. in which I love what I've seen from Luke and Kyrie recently. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Indiana Pacers, and they're trying to find ways to move up as well. Uh, Also, the Philadelphia 76ers, we see the landslide that they're taking that has now opened up the door for teams like them, the New York Knicks, that is, and also the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then the Boston Celtics, Golden State Warriors, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Five of those ten games, I I feel like if you can go three and two, and win the other ones. Okay, I think you're 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 on a roll here. They're already on a roll, right. but in, within that next ten, yeah, if you can in those five game that five games I just mentioned, if okay. you can go three and two, the Knicks are really really where they want to be. But the the common thing in the in the goal for them is to make sure they're healthy because yes. if this basketball team and even if it's one guy. If it's one guy not healthy, it can derail everything that the New York Knicks want to accomplish this season.
1: And I give Leon Rose, who made this trade for the New York Knicks in charge of the basketball operations with the New York Knicks, a lot of credit to say, okay, we got a Jalen Brunson, but we need to get longer on the outside and we need another shooter. It can't just be about him being Superman every night, especially with Julius Randle and O.J. An- Ananobi out with injury. So who can we get? Will you bring in a guy that can average 20 points a game like he's done for Detroit. And oh, by the way, he's six seven. You bring in Alec Burks that can play three different positions and he fits what you do with the Knicks. Yep. Point guard, shooting guard, and small forward. And he's 6'5". You didn't get smaller. You got longer in terms of shooters and defenders. You're going to need that dealing with the Bucks and Giannis. Dealing with the Celtics and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Kristaps Porzingis. Dealing with the Cleveland Cavaliers like you mentioned. They won 15 out of their last 16 games. You know Miami is going to be ready for the playoffs. That's what they do. They're going to be a pain in the what to deal with when it comes to the playoffs. But... More than ever before in modern basketball, you need to have the ability that when things break down, if we kick it out to a guy we can trust, he can make that shot. It can't just be about defense and grinding it out. Yeah, there come there's a time and place for that, but you need shooters on the outside that can knock down
2: shots. Well, especially when you get to playoff basketball and you're getting into a seven game series. Where the opposing team, they understand every play that you have that, you, Absolutely. that you're calling. That's a good point. And they're trying to take away your best option, which is Jalen Bronson. But if you leave sharpshooters in which they just got two of them mm-hmm. wide open, you should be able to hit a warm-up shot, right? I call those shots warm-up shots. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Like when you got LeBron on your team and guys are double-teaming LeBron and you get a warm-up shot wide open, that's a warm-up shot. It's like a free throw mm-hmm. in the NBA. You should be able to hit, knock that down majority of the time. Right. And that's what they're going to be able to get. And I will also add another team to to the Knicks schedule, the New England, New Orleans Pelicans and what they was able to do to the Clippers. the Clippers last, last night. night, yeah. <laughs> so I, mean, yeah. I can't leave them out, too. So that's six games in which I feel like they got to probably go 4-2 and two or go 500, 3-3. Yeah, and
1: and, but if you're the Los Angeles Lakers, a team that many people wondered, they had to make a move and a move was not going to be made. They wanted DeJounte Murray. They weren't going to get him because the asking price was too high. Now what with that team? I also think now with the Philadelphia 76ers, when they traded away Patrick Beverly – that's a signal to me. That's a sneaky move that the Bucks got to get a defender. But what did I say about the 76 thinking that that's it for this season? We don't believe we can win.
2: Let's revamp for 2024 season. Absolutely. Not this not this second half of this season, mm-hmm. but 2024-25 season.
1: Yeah, you didn't mind trading a guy to a team that can keep you from advancing in the playoffs? Yep that knows your system when it comes to Patrick Beverly, that seemed like a white flag move, in my opinion. (laughs) Great minds think alike, (laughs) Freddie. Yes, we do. We're here. I grabbed the white paper Uh to start waving. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's Harry Dougs, Freddie, coming together on Freddie and Harry. Is Andy Reid the best in American sports right now? That's next. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio.